Abandoned to Mother, the incredible, emotional, and life-changing transformation we take when we go on our journey into motherhood. From all things conception to postpartum and parenthood, I will be talking with parents and hearing their stories of navigating these times while sharing helpful information along the way. Together, we'll be covering all stories, no matter how you have chosen to conceive, birth, or parent. Let's get into it. Hello and welcome to the Maiden to Mother journey. I am your podcast host, Kendall, and we are speaking to the lovely Kayla today. Hi, Kayla. How are you going? Hey, I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Thank you so much for coming on. So excited to talk to you today. Can you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself, where you live, who's in your family? Yeah, sure. I So I live in Lennox Head. I just moved here actually about, what is it now? in June last year. So yeah, loving being here. It's just uh, Mm. myself and my partner, Mark, here in Lennox. Um, Family and friends live in Gold Coast. And I guess we moved here from Sydney. So a lot of our connections are still in Sydney as well. Um, I moved to Sydney for about 10 years before coming back this way, originally living on the Gold Coast. So it's nice to be back. Back? Yeah, close to the Not over the border yet, but close (laughs) enough, close enough. (laughs) And you have a beautiful little son. Yeah, we had Sonny in December. His name's Sonny, um, December 19th. So, yeah, he. we've just, we're actually on our last day of the fourth trimester today. So um, it's been such a crazy, amazing, beautiful, chaotic 12 weeks. (laughs) But... Yeah, it's he's great. He's it's just like he's fully adapted to being Earthside, and he's just yeah, he's just really figured it out. You can just see something's clicked, and he now knows what like you know what life is, and it's it's really cool. That's so amazing. It's so amazing when you start to get like a breath of fresh air after the yeah newborn stage. Yeah, and it's crazy too that. I feel like he's really just gone from newborn to baby, like almost overnight. He's like, okay, I'm a baby now. Yeah. I'm not a newborn anymore. So yeah, it's been it's been so cool. He's such a little legend. He's a little, he's a sweetheart. He's like a total gentleman. You can just tell he's gonna be a really cool, cool little dude. That's awesome. Yeah, it's crazy when when you're pregnant and everyone says like oh, enjoy it, it goes too quick, and you hear it over and over and over again. I find myself telling women that, and I'm like, oh, I can't believe it's coming out of my mouth because I used to be like, oh, when people would tell me that over and over. But, (laughs) wow, when you go through it, how quickly does it go? It just feels like, you know, i just seen the post. It's so wild because, you, yeah, like you feel like it's gone so fast, but in the moments it's so slow. Like it's – such a weird thing to explain but now looking at him like today I'm like holy shit slow down like mm-hmm. or you catch yourself saying these things like I can't wait till he can talk to us or I can't wait and you're like no 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 I can wait I can wait yeah. like, let's not say that let's not put that out there <laughs> yeah exactly so well we'll talk about your journey with Sunny um yeah and you take us through your like conception or family planning journey yeah, definitely. I guess I think before I dive into that, I want to give your listeners a bit of a like a little warning, I guess. Um, I will be talking about child loss and miscarriage today. So I don't want to, yeah, like I don't want people to be listening that aren't really ready to hear 
that. Yeah. Um, but basically my conception journey or planning started like at the end of 2019. Um, I had like a really big year in my business and I was really burnt out and my partner who I've been with for nine years now, we always knew like that we were, we were going to have children together. Like, you know, you just know. Mm-hmm. And um, he'd been ready for some time, but I was really sort of focused on getting my business to a place where I could have it continue running while I focused on the family. Um, so I started seeing, yeah, it's, I mean, looking back on it, on it all now, like it doesn't even matter. But, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, at the time you're like, no, nope, this is my goal. So um, I sort of started with seeing a naturopath. And at the time I was sort of experiencing like just health issues and fatigue and I was 28 at the time and she actually told me my adrenals and nervous system were completely exhausted and in the worst condition that she had ever seen for someone my age. Um, And, you know, when I told her we were starting to plan a family, she literally said to me like, no, you're not. (laughs) Like absolutely not. Do not, do not do it. Um, you know, we've got to we've got to get this back to a place where, you know, I guess a, a place where your adrenals and, and your nervous system are not this how they are today, how they are this way. Um, so she put me on all these herbs and, you know, gave me a few rituals that I had to introduce to my life. Um, she gave me a personalized nutrition plan for my condition at the time and my blood type. So, yeah, I kind of that's where I started with it all. And I feel like, you know, like, as I just said, you feel like you're financially ready or your career's in a good place. But I just kind of knew deep inside that I wasn't my best mentally and, and spiritually. So the naturopath definitely confirmed that for me and, and that kind of got the whole health kick starting started for me. Um, so, yeah, in 2020, I had you know, early 2020, I'd followed all those steps. I'd done a fitness challenge. So... I'd been in the best shape I'd been in for years and, you know, I was starting to do that shadow work and I got quite addicted to journaling and and inner peace and, um, yeah, so I started to kind of be like we're ready for this baby this year. I think this baby's coming this year and I'm ready and let's let's do it. Um, I started, like, doing a total overhaul of my skincare products first so after doing the research and finding out that there's so much crap in everything these days, mm. I pretty much eliminated everything, like toothpaste and deodorant and, you know, I went into that sort of, I guess you could say, obsession where you just do a total life rehaul and um, it's funny because two years prior my mum was doing the same thing and I was paying her out big time, like, you're total hippie. <laughs> what are you doing like where's the normal toothpaste start in your house and then two years later I was like wow (laughs) mum mum's always right as they say yeah yeah so your mum's uh what does your mum do so she she's actually she's gonna hate me for not saying the right thing but she is like a I'm gonna say like a dermatologist dermatologist yeah yeah Um, (laughs) but also like she's dabbled in like a bit of that you know, advanced skin therapies. Um, mm. She really has like a passion for natural therapies. So she yes. is like all about like the organic lifestyle, homegrown stuff, DIY stuff. And yeah, I used to look at her like she was such a hippie and she's totally <laughs> not. She's totally onto it because I'm yeah. now 30 and I'm like, 
totally into that whole that whole thing. I've just, just so started funny. actually, just started my like journey down it. So yeah, it's a big rabbit hole, but yeah, you know, like and yeah, starting off with the the deodorant for me was a huge a huge change. Like, um, but yeah, I hundred percent felt the positive effects of eliminating those things from my life. So. You know, it's funny when you hear about it and then you're like, oh, this person is just a wacko. But then you <laughs> do it yourself and you're like, wow, I actually feel different. Like That's so good. Yeah. So I guess fast forward a few months from that, it was sort of after the black summer bushfires hit and obviously that was super devastating. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the time I was living in Sydney and we were also kind of going through those really harsh lockdown restrictions yeah um and everyone was doing it tough at that time i had a lot going on with work and i had sort of started training businesses to bring their social media and marketing in-house and use what resources they had internally so i was just throwing myself into that i was training with businesses in different time zones so it was like 6 a.m in the morning till 12 a.m and on the flip side of that i'd also lost 60 percent of my agency clients pretty much overnight with the, the pandemic Wow. Um, And I was doing work for free for some of them because I was just so heartbroken and I really felt the weight of the devastation for the small businesses at the time. Um, I guess putting COVID completely aside, that year was really tough for me. Like I had experienced some pretty major events personally and within my family. Um, I got diagnosed with complex PTSD and anxiety, which is post-traumatic stress disorder. So I was kind of also navigating through different treatment plans for that and obviously trying to do it naturally. Like the doctors just want to put you on on these medications and I was kind of like, nah, I just, you know, tried to do it, you know, get some meditation into my life and adapt to having that. And for me it was kind of a validation as well for, how you know, how I reacted to things in that time. Mm -hmm. Um. On the sidelines of that, I also, after three years of investigations, got told that I had a tumour that needed to get removed. Wow. Yeah, so there was a lot going on. And, and, you know, I think at this point I began to fight with the whole aspect of divine timing. Like I was hell-bent on this idea that I was finally ready and I worked so hard on myself and my health and that this baby was happening and regardless of all these obstacles, you know, we were going to – we're having this baby. So – um, I, I paid like an absolute arm and a leg to have this surgery in a private hospital to remove this tumour and it was I had to do it before the regulation kicked in where um, in New South Wales they removed the ability to have an elective surgery. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, and because this tumour wasn't confirmed aggressive yet, they deemed my surgery an elective one. So, yeah, $7,000 later I got it removed and found out it was benign in the end, which is, you know, great news. Um, and then me and my partner thought, let's go. Like, you know, we surely that's the end of these curveballs that keep coming my way and let's make this baby. Um, yeah, a couple of weeks later we fell pregnant and, you know, still in the thick of lockdowns. I didn't have much access to a medical team and like the last place I wanted to be was in a doctor's waiting room with everything that was going on. Mm. So we kind of just did the essentials. Like we went to the six week check and it came back perfect. And then they sort of sent us off with a referral for the NIPT test six weeks later. So 
and like obviously we were so over the moon, but I had let the rituals and that sort of work slip behind me with all the business and chaos of the pandemic. So aside from that, like in all honesty, from the beginning, I just felt kind of off, like something wasn't right. And I would just get these waves of uncertainty and I just put it down to this complex PTSD and, and kind of disregarded that whole feeling as an anxiety. Um, and so, yeah, we went for our NIPT appointment at the 12-week mark and they got us in for the ultrasound first before the blood test. And unfortunately, on that day, we got told there was no heartbeat. Oh. Yeah, so they told me I had had what they call a missed miscarriage. Missed miscarriage, yep. Yeah, and, like, never knew this existed, obviously. And, like, at the time I had a couple of friends who had experienced miscarriages, but, I'm like, basically it's when your body has not yet recognised the loss of the pregnancy and it continues progressing, like, normally. Uh, I think it's only, like, 1% of pregnancies, so it's not very common. And, you know, like, I felt pregnant. I I had my little 12-week belly going on. I felt great, actually, and, and it was a huge shock and, like, just so devastating and being in that chair and being at that scan and thinking you're going to walk out with like you know this cute little picture and you're like planning your announcement it was just like oh it was such a crazy whirlwind it's like watching a movie now that you think about it Mm. um and reflecting back now it's really crazy to compare like from the start of that pregnancy I felt so different and comparing it to my recent pregnancy with my son um, I felt like an instant connection to the second pregnancy. We, like we chose not to know the gender, but I knew really early on it was a boy and I just felt it. Like, yeah. I mean, it doesn't make it any easier, the previous pregnancy. Um, but I just sort of had this gut feeling from the start that something was up. And, yeah, it took me a, a while to get myself back together after that. You know, I had experienced quite a lot in the years before, but I always just got on with it and I never really sat in my feelings or felt them. I just kept on keeping on in like this survival mode. But with the miscarriage, I did the total opposite. So, you know, I felt this immense amount of grief and I kept getting told that I just needed to try again and to not let it get me down or to make sure I didn't get depressed because it would make it harder to fall pregnant again. And I just was like, fuck all of you like let me grieve and let me be me kind of thing and let me get through it so yeah I just sat with like sat with it and and rode the waves of it all and I didn't have my family around me because they were across the border in Queensland Mm. Um, and I don't know if this is a common thing for women who experience miscarriage but I just had this real need to be alone and get through the healing on my own Um, I guess I was always such a busy and social person and I think a lot of the time I was running from dealing or coping with what was happening around me. So I just, I had to take a huge step back from everything. And like, don't get me wrong, I had a lot of support around me and it's crazy when you tell people about, you know, a miscarriage, how much you find out about people that you didn't know. Like I had a lot of friends that had experienced the same things and sort of suffered in silence and I am so grateful for those people who held me in that time and also respected my need to just focus on myself and get myself back together again. But yeah, it it was the best thing for me. I'm always the person solving everyone's problems and like putting the needs before my own. And I do think this was sort of my last lesson I needed to learn. And 
I had ticked all the boxes to get my mind, body and spirit ready. And I was just so like, one day I woke up and was ready for this baby. And it was like, I couldn't wait anymore. And I just sort of almost forced it. And I obviously needed to learn to mother myself first before becoming the mother, because I really, in that time, I just focused on my self-care and my self-love and I dove deeper into the self-work until I felt ready again. And again, like a switch, one day I woke up and I was like fully different person. I was like, all right, I've, I've gone through that. I've, you know, I've not forgiven that, but you know, you have that feeling of just, you're so against the world for a little bit. And as soon as that feeling was sort of gone for me, I was like, okay, I've done this. I've recovered. I've healed. I've coped. I've dealt. Um, and I'm ready to do it again. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, we, at then at the time as well, like we were selling our place in Sydney and we were getting ready for this move. So it's crazy to think back at that previous pregnancy, if it would have followed through, we would have actually been like semi-homeless at the time of birth. Oh, right. <laughs> because, yeah. On my due date for that, we, we had planned to be in Lennox already, but we went into like, you know, it was just really hard, a lot harder than we thought to get up here yeah um, secure a house here so yeah like I said divine timing it just wasn't the time and so yeah fast forward a few months later in April we fell pregnant again with my now son Sunny um and yeah it was amazing like you know obviously experiencing loss there is always that anxiety there Mm-hmm. But like I said with Sunny, I like from the get-go, I just remember walking into my 12-week scan and, you know, we got that heartbeat and we got that great news and I just went, it's a boy. Like I looked at that screen and I was like, you're a boy. I already know who you are. Like I had this total different feeling with him. Like, yeah, I just, it felt different. It felt so different and it, it was it was so cool. Um, How were you feeling during your pregnancy with Sunny? I had an amazing pregnancy with him. He, like I said, I just got this vibe from him that he was a total gentleman, like the whole way. I didn't get sick. Like I just didn't, you know, I had all my friends being like, oh, wait for the heartburn and wait for the sickness and wait for this and wait for that. And honestly, I had a great time. Like I loved being pregnant. Um, I, I, and I hate saying this because I've got some girlfriends suffering from that really awful um, HD. HD. Oh my God. And you know, I had other girlfriends who had really, really bad heartburn and just all these other symptoms. And I just like, I had a great breezy pregnancy and yeah, like every single scan, it was just always like, you know, great news, awesome news, progressing perfectly. Um, until around, I guess the seven month mark, again, huge shock, like at the pointy end of the pregnancy, we went in, actually, no, because you're not meant to have a scan. So I, my midwives could never feel him. Like they always struggled to find him. Yeah. And I I just had this feeling that he was transverse. Like I was like, this kid is like literally side to side on my stomach. Mm-hmm. Um, and looking back at the images of him that we got in the ultrasounds, like he was always laying back. Like he was always like, he was side, like laying with his literally hands behind his back and his legs stretched out. And that's how I felt him. Like I felt like he was on one side of my belly. And Yeah, your belly felt like lopsided. Yeah. So, and like when the midwives would struggle to find him, 
And like, you know, one time and I went, I did my birth at Lismore, which shout out to the Lismore team. They are freaking amazing. Like I just, I love them all so much. Great hospital if anyone's ever having a baby, if you can get in there, I strongly recommend. But yeah, like they got this nurse in who was, you know, renowned for finding any baby. And even she was like, I can't find this baby. Like, and obviously I can, I could feel him at this point, but I always was told by people like, oh, wait till he kicks your ribs or wait till his foot's like in your, your, your throat. And I would never feel that. Like I felt kicks and stuff still. But anyway, they made me get this scan and to find out where he was and he was transverse. And I had, my placenta had sort of grown all the way in front, like in front, like in front of him, I guess, on the yeah. front of my stomach. Um, so that was they were like okay that explains why we can never find him like your placenta is pretty much covering him completely Um, and it got cleared like I didn't have placenta preview or anything so they weren't concerned about it but what they did find in that scan is that my amniotic fluid dropped um, and I guess a normal range that they want is between 5 and 20 and I was at five and I was seven months pregnant. So they were kind of like, oh, this is, you know, a seven and a half months pregnant, sorry. Um, yeah, they were like, this is something to just keep an eye on. Like, you know, they didn't have much research about it and they still don't. But I guess with anything that there's not much research about, you know, it's just a concern for everyone because they don't know. They don't know what could happen. And from then on, it became a total different pregnancy. Like I I never had a birth plan. I was very open to, you know, I had a lot of people around me who were strict and very like, this is my birth plan and this is going to happen and totally the opposite happened. And I have a lot of people in my life. We're like one of the last people in our group of friends who are having babies, you know, like we've got lots of people around us who have had their babies and I've heard every story under the sun. So I was very prepared in that sense for things not to go my way so the only thing i had was my preferences like i didn't want forceps i didn't want the vacuum i definitely yeah. didn't want to get induced i had this thing in my mind about induction that i just was like no way and i also was doing this course the thompson method yeah which in some aspects was good but in all honesty she was pretty gnarly like she scared the living daylights out of me about any um i guess induction or any anything else that basically is not natural um, i have heard of i have heard of it i've seen it yeah but what is it I, i've seen her somewhere so she's a midwife of 40 years that yeah. is very strong about not having any interference and basically like and i'm talking she has this weird thing called the 70 two-hour rule where you're not to get bothered by anyone and like you're in a hospital and they just want the best for you so they're coming in and checking on you and baby and she's saying like she just was really intense like I remember getting my birth plan off this course and I had to delete like seven pages of it because it was like in accordance to the act of so and so you need to abide by my rights to this like it was just really intense and she's very big on like you know, not having any interference in the pregnancy, not even calling, like, she didn't even say contractions are contractions, they're building building pressure or something. You know, it was just very <laughs> other side of the spectrum for me. As I said, I was pretty open to yeah, yeah. 
But I did have this big fear of induction and I honestly feel like the birth stories that I hear from my friends, it's like whatever you most fear is what ends up happening. (laughs) (laughs) And I was basically being presented with this idea that I was going to have to get an induction. So With the low fluid. Yeah, and and basically where I was at, at five centimetres amniofluid, is where they sort of say you should be at nine months and I had like you know a couple months to go so um we're talking inductions it was at this time that my midwife she had always told me that she was going to have this time off and because it was like she was having a month off from seven point my 7.5 months to 8.5 months so she'd be back ready for the birth and I always knew this, but it was at this time that she was away that all this, all this was going on. So I didn't right. really have her buy-in or I didn't have that. Yeah, I just, and honestly, like at one point I went in for a scan and the hospital at the time were also experiencing like a changeover of doctors. So I, at this time, every time I went in for this checkup, which was like twice a week, I had a different doctor and like they all had their different versions of the story and their different views on what was going on. And one guy was like, we're getting this baby out next week. And, you know, I was approaching, I was 35 weeks, I think at the time. Mm. So I was like, holy shit, like, whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa what's going on? Um, I happened to have like a midwife in my program you know how you have to share midwives. So, did you get into that program through the Lenox Hospital? Like a, it's like MGP in Queensland. I'm not sure what it's called in New South Wales. Yeah, it's the shared midwife, shared midwife. midwifery program. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I have like in the program at Lismore, you have your kind of one um, midwife who is going to be there on the day. Okay. But obviously, yeah. you know, if you have a natural birth and you come early or you come late, you could get one of the three women. Um, yeah. So I had three ladies in my team. And one of them, Angel from Earth, Claire, if you're listening, bloody love you. Um, she, she, and like Lismore Hospital as a whole is very cool in the sense of like, you know, I'm sure in the area there's a lot of crunchy mums. And I became. Oh, is, like I have a Lismore doctor and she is crunchy. Like, yeah. Crunchy. And she's practised in Lismore for like 20 years. And she often tells me stories about how, um, like natural and everything Lismore is. So the medical team would be Yeah, and and I, like, you know, you want to do it as natural as possible. But, again, I was pretty open to if things go pear-shaped or if things, you know, I just was open. I was very open-minded. Yeah. Except for I was, like, 100% not doing an induction, which I later found out I was going to have to have. Mm. So I wrapped my head around that and, ditched the program by the Thompson method I was like this is just giving me way too much head noise so I started like reaching out to people I knew who had inductions and started getting some positive stories around me and and yeah I got my head around that I was like cool whatever we're doing that but I did not want the baby out at 37 weeks like I was pretty and like because I was getting monitored every like second oh I was getting monitored twice a week and I was feeling him perfectly so I had I was just kind of being led by my intuition I was like no I think we're good like I don't think that there's a concern yet um so I opted to instead of get induced at 37 weeks which they were pushing me to do um I had Claire this midwife come in literally on the day that they had booked me in for this induction not one person had explained to me what was going on 
Um, I got in there for the CT CTC scans, like they just checked that the heart rate is going well and got my cervical check and like it was then when they were explaining to me that I was going to get some balloon put in me um, and I was like, what? Like, what? Whoa, what's going on? Like I just, I'd, no one had explained to me what was happening and I, all the induction stories that I had, you know, been given by my friends were like, this, the gel or the inserted thing where they, you get this hormone inserted into you. So when I got told about this balloon, I was like, what? Yeah, and Claire literally like a knight in shining armour came running into the clinic where we were or the birthing suite rather and was like, what is going on? I had literally met her maybe three weeks prior just um, like on a normal check-in at the hospital and she kind of ducked in and was like, hey, um, Claire, I'm on your team nice to meet you see you later like very quick very mm -hmm. brief meeting and she kind of came in and was like hang on a minute I've got your file Georgie who was my essentially she was my midwife who was away she was like Georgie passed this on to me to have a look at like I'm cancelling your induction there's no way you're having this induction today and god bless her she kind of like I was so scared at this point like you know, the doctors make you scared sometimes, um, yeah. especially when they don't really know much about the situation. Like there was just a lot of fear and I was definitely not in a mental place to have a birth happen yeah. there. Um, so Claire came in and saved the day and she was like, no way in hell you need this. Like you're 37 weeks. I think Sonny, obviously I didn't know he was a boy or anything, but he was like at two point something like 2.3 or something kilos at the time which I think was just on the cusp of needing to go into NICU after birth mm. and I was like that was another thing on my list I was like at all costs I'm going to avoid that like I do not want my baby you know and then obviously it's there for a reason and they save lives but for me I was like if I can avoid him going in there like of course yeah. I'm going to avoid it yeah, so absolutely she sort of gave me my empowerment back because I was starting to second guess my intuition. And and obviously you're scared. Like you're at the pointy end of the pregnancy and you're like everything's been a breeze and everything's been so great. And my poor partner, like, you know, he doesn't feel what I feel. He doesn't feel the kick. So he was like a nervous wreck. Just yeah. like how much longer are we going to wait, you know? It's actually um, a super, super important point that you bring up that you, you've said that you started to question your intuition, which is what happens to, I guess, a lot of women, which is something I always say on the show, like no matter how you want to birth or what you want to go through, you should have like a trusted medical team because yeah. like someone who's like, like Claire, who's come in and gone, hang on a minute, no, because if you get caught up in the hospital system, that's what happens yeah. to women. They start to question their intuition. Like if you don't have someone who knows you, knows your body, knows, and then they're just going to tick the boxes and go, you know, A, B, and C, and then you start to go, oh, all right, okay, like is that what I need, you know? Um, so 100%. I always like drill it into everyone, like please look into continuity of care. <laughs> Try and get yeah. someone on your team that is like with you, you know, during your pregnancy. Yeah, and you know what, Claire, she was she because I started getting really pissed off at the system at this point. I was like, you guys are one. You booked me in for this induction, and when I asked the doctor, I had four different guys coming into me at this time, and they all had their different views on things. One guy was like, oh, you could wait, but you know it might be a risk, and another guy was like, nah, baby out, we need this baby out, 
I had another girl who had just finished like her studies and it was pretty much her first time working in the ward who was just totally textbook. She was like, nah, baby needs to come out. Mm. And then I had the lovely Claire who was like, Kayla, sometimes women's waters break at 35 weeks and they go to full term. Like, yeah, what a problem. So, yeah, I, I'm so lucky I had her and I'm really lucky that my partner trusted and supported me too, you know, like like I mentioned before, they don't feel what we feel. So for him, he put his entire trust in in me when I got my intuition back basically after that day with Claire where she cancelled our induction. I was like, nah, I, I know what I'm feeling. I know this isn't the right time. I know that we can wait. Um, and I'm so happy I did because it ended up he's perfect. Like, you know, there's nothing wrong with him. But basically what we had to do from that point on was I had to go in for – heart rate monitoring like every third day and then like a scan a week basically just to check the amniotic fluid um and like I was doing the most that I like I researched that spinach helps your amniotic fluid and I was literally eating spinach by the handful and like doing all this crazy <laughs> stuff um also uh going back to the transverse thing in this time we had flipped sunny so uh, I did the spinning babies, like he was totally side by side. And I was just on the bouncy ball every day, like, listen here, you got to flip get your head down. down. <laughs> yeah, like get down and I don't want them to flip you for you because it's going to suck for both of us. Mm-hmm. We were having some chats, like every night I was on that bouncy ball, like it was the last thing to do on earth and I was just saying to him, like, get down there, let's sort this amniotic fluid out. Like, come on, let's just stretch this out a couple more weeks. And I swear it works. Like over the space of the week or two doing that and doing the spinning spinning babies, like inverted handstand things, he had flipped and was right in the pelvis. That's awesome. And, yeah, and at the time as well, I kind of at my – I got to the point where I was like, when we get to 39 weeks, if this is still an issue, I'm doing it, like – there's no there's no need to extend it past 39 like that's term and week on week because we were getting the ultrasounds we could see that he was gaining weight so I think he got to like 2.9 kilos and they were like nah this is sweet now he's not going to nick you um also sorry they called him it we all called him it because we didn't know who he was um and yeah so things and my amniotic fluid went from 5 to 11 as well at one oh, point. oh, those handfuls of spinach helps. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> I was drowning myself in like water, spinach. I forget what else. Like my my boyfriend was bringing me like all the foods that were saying that boost the amino fluid. So yeah, it did work. I guess we went up, or maybe he did a wee as well. Who knows? Because <laughs> that was one of the doctors was like. Maybe he did a wee, but also if he did, that's good because it means that it's circulating. Yeah, yeah. It is there. But ultimately what happened was at 38 weeks, uh, 38 and 5 I think it was, um, we did our routine ultrasound and they found that and he was totally like I could feel how in the pelvis he was. Like I was waddling around. Um, the belly had fully dropped. I was doing the acupuncture. Like I was on that ball, like 20 out of 24 hours of the day. And I fully felt like it was happening soon. Um, and we got told at that ultrasound that 
one of the pockets, they call them pockets. So when you don't have fluid in the pocket, um, they call it a pocket. So mm. in one of those pockets, he had like all his umbilical cords were bunched up. Um, and that was like, I guess, where his shoulder would have been in my uterus on the left-hand side of the bottom of my uterus and no fluid in that pocket. And they had this like some sort of special doctor from Brisbane that, you know, had some accolade of delivering a million babies. And she came into the room and she was again like, oh, this baby needs to come out. And I was kind of like, oh, yeah, you all keep telling me that. But like so you know, when you get presented with possibilities of why your amniofluid is low, they tell you things like um, growth restriction, like uh, failure of the placenta, which wasn't it, like all of those things got ruled out for us, but they all have statistics and data attached to them. Yeah. Whereas when there was a question mark on my low amniotic fluid, they had no data or no, like there was no reason him to come out they were just like it's a precaution we don't know what could happen yeah Um, and you know they say things like stillbirth and they scare the shit out of you but you're like but there's no data to back this up so again I just went completely off my movements and my intuition and obviously the scans that we were getting constantly but with this one this lady explained to me that the fluid with the cord basically it stops any pressure from happening to the cord so if he lent on the cord or if I moved and put pressure on the cord it stops circulating to the baby Um, but with the fluid in the way it kind of acts as a barrier for that happening so with all the cords bunched in the corner with no amniotic fluid there was a higher risk of you know cord accident yeah like something like he's something happening and yeah not getting exactly I, one of my clients, beautiful, beautiful Mel, um, had experienced a stillbirth six days before her due date, um, the year or the year before, and it was that, it was a court accident. So um, I I was so, this was something that was a fear of mine from the get-go. And obviously having experienced a miscarriage, it was like, that's basically, that was it for me. I was like, let's book this induction in, let's do it. Like, I'm not sitting on this any longer he's 39 weeks on monday so let's get him out on monday get it out on monday because i didn't know who it was um i was calling him my little pudding at the time so yeah that's ultimately what made our decision um also being you know i went in for the induction at 38 and six days 38 weeks six days and because i had gone past that time I didn't need the balloons anymore it was just straight up that what they call servidil yeah um and you know there's two types that they insert there's a gel and there's a sort of like a tampon I guess with the hormone into it and what the hormone does is I guess get things started get the uterus um contracting get things moving um I opted to have the insert, like the insertion, because my mum reacted poorly to the gel when she had my sister. Um, So that was just, you know, because of genetics or whatever, they said, let's try the tab. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, I got in on the Sunday around 8.30 in the morning. Um, They checked my cervix. I was, like, according to this lady, I was, like, not ready at all like you're completely thick skin tilted backwards like you're going to be in here for two days yeah 
So I was like, okay, let's get it going. Got it in. And then um, basically it took about 10 hours for me to feel like a period pain type feeling. It was, And it was just the tap, like that they inserted the tab and left it in there? Yes. So it stays it in there. And slowly release or something? Yeah, no, it stays in there. Um, and, yeah, kind of they said that it basically stays in overnight and then the next morning they would take it out and hope that I had dilated to break my waters. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so they inserted it and then 10 hours later I felt like a period pain and I was always meant to be staying overnight in the hospital that night because obviously the next morning they had their plans. Mm. Um, so I went for a walk after that and honestly, like, got a contraction on that walk I was like whoa okay like that was gnarly um let's go back up to the room by the time I got up to the room I was like you know you know the feels like proper on the floor kind of thing like kind of a bit panicky I was like what's going on this is happening um sorry for the detail but then I had that like release where you go to the toilet and like you know get rid of everything so I was like yep Got went to my boyfriend, we're on here, like it's happening, this is definitely happening, like I'm not imagining it. Um, but because I guess from the first period type pain to now, it had only been an hour, the midwife was sort of like, nah, there's no way you're in active labour, like girl, just get get yourself ready for this because it's yeah. you know, you're at the beginning. So I was a bit panicked because my contractions were like a minute apart from the get-go and they were just intensifying quickly really quickly um so i was kind of like fuck if this is not active labor like what's the next phase going to be like and yeah. you know, we, we did the calm birth we did everything like i was we had the tens machine and none of it was working i actually i couldn't get a breath in because they were hitting me so hard that like the contractions that it was hard for me to do the breathing exercises because it was just so quick and intense. And like, mm-hmm. anyway, they had like a midwife changeover and I was like, my partner was like, get her in the birth suite, dude. Like she's, she's, I've never seen her like this. She's got a really high pain threshold. And they were kind of laughing at him like, oh, <laughs> every woman says that until they give birth. So we had this changeover of midwife and obviously, like, sorry, not midwife. This is just the ward, the nurses, yeah. the like the nurses on the ward um, in the delivery ward. And I had, like, we had our own room and I had been in there basically for four hours. Um, like, the gas wasn't working. The TENS machine wasn't working. I, I was literally sat on a chair under the shower. My partner was as hot as he could go, like, with the shower head all over me. And yeah, the, the nurse came in and I was kind of like, cancel, take this thing out of me, cancel tomorrow. Like I'm done with this. I can't do this. And she was like, okay, get her into birth suite. She's having this baby. She's transitioning. Um, so like, because this thing that they had inserted was obviously so intense, like no one could do a check on me. Like I couldn't physically have anyone feel me in that area even my lower back like I was it was pretty intense like obviously my mum reacted pretty quickly to her induction I reacted very quickly to mine so it was just very sensitive in that whole area no one could do the cervical check so they didn't know how dilated I was so we get into the birth suite and yeah it was 
probably three and a half hours at this stage where from that first period pain to now being put in the birth suite and they were pretty sure that I was going to have a baby soon but I was exhausted like you know I had 30 seconds like they were apart 30 seconds or to a minute at most um and the lady was like you know do you want the epidural maybe and the the nurse sorry and I was like yep no I need it I think I need it so we decided to do the epidural but the lady was busy with something else so 40 minutes pass and I start feeling like the body is pushing down like you know I'm not pushing the body is pushing Mm -hmm. so I was like panicking like going oh my god this is happening what's happening I was exhausted I was a bit like rattled that it had happened all so quickly um and the lady like the nurse came in and was kind of like I think you need to prepare to do this naturally I was like oh my god like this is happening anyway we ended up just making the epidural like the lady came in almost saying no like I'm not going to do this because I think you're very far along but she ended up doing it because our nurse on the ward was like this this poor lady hasn't had a breath in like nearly four hours um I think if we we are gonna do a birth like it'd be nice to have a bit of a break and a breather so got the epidural how was that oh felt instant calm (laughs) and relief like it's just so crazy you go into this other world of just yeah like this survival mode and and you're in this other world but I remember taking a look at my partner and you know they see you they see all of this happening so he was like are you like are you okay what the hell happened and it was almost like just this oh okay we're having this baby everything's super calm it's cool I'm ready for this again I'm catching my breath this is beautiful um and yeah apologize to all the poor ladies on the ward because I was I just don't even know what I was saying to them (laughs) Um, and yeah the lady kind of was like I had this other midwife Sharon who she was doing the night shift obviously she was like I've called Georgie midwife who had she had had returned from her leave and she's like she's going to come you know in a few hours um have a bit of a breather and in an hour I'm going to come back to you we're going to have this baby sorry and they did the check and I was 10 centimeters dilated so I did the whole I guess active labor and then got the epidural and they were like his head's right there he's around the corner catch your breath and we're going to have this baby I was like sweet um also in that time my waters broke naturally which was great like they didn't have to do that for me um they just naturally broke and yeah he was there like he was ready to be born I think they they said he was like two centimeters away from being out so which you think is very close but she did explain to me it's it's a very hard corner for him to get around like he's he's, you're gonna have this baby any minute but also not any minute yeah Um, so she left the room kind of came back and told me that there was an emergency caesar that she had to be involved in so she was kind of like are you good to stay here for a bit longer and at this point, I was like, yeah, cool, like we're cruising. The contractions were still coming on and I was definitely, you know, I had caught my breath again and I feel like I was, you know, ready for the next part. Um, but then when she came back in, unfortunately my contractions had slowed down. So 
Uh, this would have been like maybe an hour later from that hour that had already passed since the epi. And yeah, so she was like, okay, we're going to have to put the the synthetic oxytocin in and get that moving because, you know, I think I'd gone from one minute apart to five minutes apart to 10 minutes apart. So they were just getting further and further apart. Um, so yeah, got the oxytocin happening. And then um, sooner or later I started pushing and basically every time I pushed, he was coming down and out, but then going back in. And that kept happening for some time. I think they let me push for about two hours before the doctor came in and started presenting us with our, our options. Um, and like I said, didn't want the vacuum and didn't want the forceps, but that's what we were being presented with at the time. And, you know, they've got these consent forms that you're like not reading because you're just so in the moment that you're like, just tell me the pros and the cons. My partner was really good after our calm birth. He was, you know, like, what are the pros, what are the cons, what are the risks, etc. Um, we decided on the vacuum after basically from pushing for so long, my heart rate was not coming down and then Sunny's heart rate wasn't coming down. Um, so, you know, that in the end we were like, okay, let's try this vacuum. Um, which again was something that I really didn't want to do, but in the end was what got Sunny out because basically what happened was um, his hand was on his face. So when he like came through and I guess at that crowning point, the doctor was like, oh, his hand's in the way. So that's kind of why he wasn't coming around the corner because, you know, he was, it, it just wasn't going to happen. Like, um, he, he wasn't able to make it around because his hand was sort of in the way. Mm. Um, it was right over his whole left-hand side of his face. So, yeah, when in that moment, you know, I have no regrets, but in the moment you're presented with these ideas and you're kind of like thinking on the fly while also, you know, the monitors are going off behind you that the heart rate's kind of racing. And I was also exhausted. Like they let me push for two hours and, yeah, you just – biggest marathon of your life as they say mm. um and I just remember that he was explaining to me what this vacuum was I thought that it was going to be this big like you know metal aggressive looking thing it's like a little plastic pump type thing that you know they put on the baby's head and they almost pump like pump this little thing to assist yeah but he was really cool like he he knew that you know he knew what my preferences were he knew I was really not keen for it so he's like I'm only going to use this a little bit and I'm going to rely on your pushing so when I say push push and it was literally like big push big push stop small push big push stop okay medium size push stop like it was so wild <laughs> just having to sort of follow his cues and you know he did his best to not use the vacuum as much as possible just um, sort of a little assistance and I ended up having an episiotomy as well, um, obviously because of the hand, which we like when, when he saw the hand, he was like, all right, I'm going to need to do the episiotomy as well. Um, and my poor partner didn't know what that was. So he was like right, right there, you know, watching and bless him. He was kind of like, what are the pros? What are the cons? And the doctor just was like, boom, and did it. <laughs> I just remember his face. The poor thing was just like, oh. 
sorry. I'm so sorry. What they? I was like, it's okay. It's okay. Like, I I know what that is. It's all good. I said yes. And he was just shocked. Like, <laughs> oh, your poor partner. Like trying to do all of the oh, thing. <laughs> honestly, like I I do feel for the men. They they have to. You know, they experience it on a whole other level. Like seeing you that way and and. You know, our adrenaline is in let's get this baby out mode and they're simply just, not simply, but they're just they're just watching and it's like you can't do anything. And, yeah, he was he was such a trooper. He was great throughout the whole process. And, yeah, he was poor thing apologising to me like, I'm sorry, I, I asked before and you just did it. I was like, it's all good. I said yes. I can't feel anything, so it's fine. <laughs> um, and then Sonny was born. So, yeah, he he was three kilos on the dot um and came out with his little hand on his face and just yeah total perfection um yeah it's true what they say like the minute that they are out you just forget about everything and and you think you look back on the fear and the anxiety that I was experiencing with the whole process but in all honesty like and again shout out to the Lismore team because they were so respectful of my preferences but um in the end, it, it was a great experience. Like, I can't say it wasn't. Even though my body obviously reacted really quickly to the induction, you know, it is it, it, it got my son out. So, um, and safely, you know, we both, we both ended up safe. We both ended up together. Um, he didn't go to NICU, which was a huge thing for me. Um, and he was born. And you know we didn't we didn't have to do any of those CTC scans anymore. We didn't have to cop the ultrasounds every week. He was here, and yeah, I have no regrets. And I just I guess another big reason for wanting to share these stories for maybe any other women out there or couples out there that um, are presented with the possibility of intervention that it's not the worst thing in the world. At the end of the day, sometimes it's it's a necessity in our case it kind of was so um yeah that's that was our birth story and um yeah with with the episiotomy um I guess probably the first three weeks for the afterbirth for me was pretty tough um because did you get stitches like in the bed or did you have to get like taken taken away or so I I wanted to encapsulate my placenta. So again, the doctor was so cool with me. Basically, after an induction and like active labor, the way I had it, that was so quick. Um, he uh, didn't. He wasn't really that keen on me birthing the placenta if it was going to take longer than an hour. Um, he was kind of like, we need to get that out, you know, we need to, and I honestly don't even remember why, but he was so cool. He, he let me sort of sit there for a bit longer than an hour to um, birth the placenta. Unfortunately, I couldn't do the encapsulation because it had been like there's a certain threshold that the placenta does need to come out before you can encapsulate. So I didn't get to do that, but got to, you know, keep it and, and do our thing with it. But basically he also let me do like skin to skin and while that whole process with the placenta was happening and then um yeah sort of just stitched me up so that's good yeah and I mean again you can't feel anything because of the epidural but definitely maybe like three or four days later I didn't feel any pain like obviously your body hurts kind of like a 
you know, an ache of, you know, the biggest marathon of your life. But mm. about the four or five day mark is when I started to feel the pain of that, you know, just a wound, like a sewed up wound, yeah. I guess. Um, but I also feel like it was the milk was coming in, you know, the... There's a lot going on. There's a lot going on. There's a whole different bunch of hormones that... Yeah. Like a huge hormonal crash. Whole big time. And I felt so happy and so, like, pretty sweet, actually, considering. And then on that five-day mark, I just had, like, one of those days where you're just like, what the fuck happened? (laughs) (laughs) um, It all just sort of sinks in and it becomes like, okay, we just did that and we are now five days into this parent thing and this little baby is here and it's just such a trip and it's the best kind but yeah it's a it's very overwhelming sense of like responsibility and then you're also coming to terms with what just happened and and then you're healing and then you know it's funny because I don't remember feeling anything before that day and then on that day I felt like I could feel everything Mm. like stitches the the afterbirth kind of thing and then yeah and then it was all over like I feel like it's a afterbirth is gnarly like I think that's one thing that no one ever told me about I was very um across like you know all my all my friends have kids so I, I knew what to expect um but the afterbirth is definitely something that I I was not expecting like I don't know why I just had in my head that I could start doing stuff normally again like Mm. I think I went for a walk a week later and then yeah the next day I was like why the hell did I do that what am I doing I can't be doing that so Mm. I think it took me about three weeks um and then I swear to god I woke up the next day and was like my body's back like I feel good I don't feel the pain I don't you know it just it's like it just sort of happened overnight when you wake up the next day and you feel healed yeah um yeah, it's a crazy – the body is amazing. The body is yeah. absolutely freaking amazing and, and it, I'll never take it for granted again, that's for sure. Yeah, it's something that I tried to share as much as possible, like the postpartum. Well, for me, um, for my listeners who always listen, they know that my son was sick, but it it, it shocked me. It, like, sat me on my ass postpartum. Mm. Like, I was super prepared for birth and pregnancy and all that, and then I was like – yeah, just, I don't know, you have this vision of just being in this, I don't know, like little angel world with your new baby, and it absolutely is that, but it's all of these other things. Like the hormonal crash is just hectic. It, I didn't expect it either. Um, I um, remember Rihanna had just come out with her, you know, sort of birth story or not birth story, but just mentioning her pregnancy and birth, and she said the words, afterbirth is like an acid trip and I laughed I remember being like what the hell that's the weirdest thing to compare it to but yeah she kind of was just saying how you're on this different planet and you're in the best the the best thing in the world but also like the most hectic thing and you're just adjusting and it's just it's such a whirlwind of emotion and it's the best but it's also the hardest like yeah I also, and I love how you talk about this as well um, in terms of, you know, the afterbirth and the postpartum recovery period. Um, But I also literally just never expected breastfeeding to start out the way that it did. Like it's hard. Mm. It's hard. hard. 
yeah, I just thought it was going to be this beautiful, natural thing. And, and you know, Sunny latched really well um, after birth, which is great. It's what you want. But I, I ended up calling on a lactation consultant twice. Um, I have had a tumor removed from one of my breasts like 12 years ago, but I always thought that was going to be a problem. Um, so yeah, we had a, we had to get a couple of instances where I had a lactation consultant in and help us best thing ever. Totally recommend it. I was literally at the end of my rope. Um, and you know, those first weeks are painful and hard. Like now it's a breeze and it's amazing. And I'm so happy that I stuck with it and, um, and got help because the lactation said, lactation consultant said, you know, sometimes women wait till it's too late and they've yeah. kind of, they've already made their mind up about not wanting to continue. So if anyone is struggling, like don't be too proud, don't um, leave it too late because I was at, uh, you know, I had a night where I was just in tears and my partner was like, that's it, where we're doing formula. And I was like, no, I can do this. And then you have your doubts, you're doubting yourself, it hurts. There is also a bloody long time of cluster feeding in the beginning where you're like, oh, my God, like I can't catch a break. Mm. Um, and then, again, like everything else, it just passes and it just it does become that amazing experience um, and the natural thing. Like it wasn't. I thought it was going to be such a natural thing for me, and it wasn't. It was really hard, and I, I, that sh- that shocked me. Yeah, well, because you often see your friends not freshly postpartum. I mean, yes, yes, your close friends, but you often see the women around you and in your life breastfeeding. You know, when they're out and about in a couple of months, like people, like well, I know that that was for me, you know, and but you don't get to see like yeah, the- who I am with a newborn on their nipple trying to work it out. You know, you don't get to see those sorts of circumstances. You just see women breastfeeding in public or, you know, it looks so natural because they've got their flow. For Um, sure. And I think that's, again, the the red carpet experience or, like, the Hollywood experience that people see with the birth or the pregnancy. You see this thing on on the in the movies and, like you just said, you see people out and about killing um, the breastfeeding and, without a problem or without a doubt and you're like what why isn't this yeah. happening to me like yeah. I remember my my boyfriend would like be grabbing his lips to make sure that they were like that special k thing that you know everyone talks about and he would help me like position me in the perfect way in the beginning just you know because you both are trying to figure it out the baby as well you know it's a natural thing for them but they still need to do it correctly in order to get it's a, it's a whole system that's one thing that I guess I didn't um, – I prepared myself for everything else, but I guess I didn't really know much about the latching process and how it all is very important. Like, you know, yeah. you just think that they beat off your nipple and it just works itself out, but there is definitely um, a way in which it needs to happen. Definitely. Um, and for reason, you know, Sunny struggled with gas. Uh, for the first few weeks and like any other mother I was like oh my god what's going on you know um I feel like it was after that six week mark he must have had it anyway but they the doctors say you know newborns don't really feel sensations until a certain point and then they start to feel them and it starts to bother them so that happened and that was at one point as well where I called the lactation consultant and she helped us it was like a latching thing so some of the gas that was building up was due to uh, the way he was feeding. 
Yeah, the way he was feeding on, so I, in that surgery to get rid of the benign tumor in my breast, they actually removed my nipple. Um, so it was on that one that it's, yeah, it's been removed. So it's not like a normal nipple, I guess. <laughs> so yeah, she had to help me with that. And yeah, I'm so grateful for that. So definitely, I don't know why there was just this like sense of, I can do this on my own. This is my job type thing. And I just mm -hmm. really reluctant to reach out, but I'm glad I did. And I also asked all the women, like close women to me, um, I'm lucky that, you know, my sister had just had her baby too. My best friend had just had a baby, had all other, the other women in my um, close circle. You have like two or three kids that were all, yeah, really helpful, really great advice. Definitely lean on those people as well. Like I think it just took me to that six-week mark where I surrendered to, it's just in my personality type. Like I just always want to do things on my own. I want to figure things out on my own. I hate asking for help. Um, and then from that six week point onwards, I was just like, help, <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> it's like what's going on? Help me with this. What did you get? What did you do for this? And now I, I think that's one of the best things that has changed about me as a person. Not that it's not the best thing. There's a lot of others, but, uh, asking for help, like yeah. I'm not that person, I don't know why, cause I torture myself so much in trying to do everything on my own, but I'm definitely loving that um, change in me as a person in just accepting help and um, leaning on people when I need them. Uh, it's yeah. a game changer, especially for motherhood. Like you you speak about it a lot too. It's, it's a crazy transition. Mm, um, absolutely. It's so good to have like women and friends and stuff around you that you can lean on for sure. Yeah, and just talking about stuff like... I it's easy when you hear about other people's birth stories and especially when they don't go the way that you planned them and it's something that the midwives always ask you when your checkups like you know they do the scores of how you tracking and how you're traveling and like I mentioned earlier I've always been a type of person who gets on with it but I really wasn't traumatized at all from my birth like I got my son um we were healthy he was healthy I was healthy so I just I, you know I accepted and moved on that I didn't get the natural labor that I wanted but in the end he came and he was perfect so hmm. but you know I do have other women around me who really struggled with not um, having their birth plan go to plan um, and yeah I think I don't know I think it's for me all the birth stories around me especially the ones that went to completely opposite of plan I think it is like a total lesson of surrender yeah um and i had surrendered to so many things in that last month and a half that in the end you just got to let it all go and be like whatever whatever needs to happen let it happen and you know they say every child has their birth plan like they're the ones who choose what what happens in the end so it's something that's totally out of your control which i think is a beautiful lesson as well mm, absolutely um, because motherhood is not, nothing goes to plan. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Even planning this podcast, I was like, yep, this is cool. Sunny has like been, we don't have a plan, like a program as such, but, you know, we, we have some really great solid sleeps um, in the day. And, and I was like, yeah, this is all going to plan. And, and Murphy's Law woke up mid-nap and wanted to feed just as we are hopping on this. And I just <laughs> oh, we've got to go with it. Let's just go with it. So 
I it's always the way. Yeah, it's a huge lesson in motherhood, I think, where you just got to go with it, go with the flow yeah. and try your best. But sometimes, yeah, you just um, got to go with the, the notion that nothing goes to plan. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Well, before we say goodbye, um, I just wanted to ask you one question. Yeah. If you could give one piece of advice to a mum who is about to embark on this journey, what would it be? What would it, my one piece of advice be? Um, from my personal experience, I think there's too much information out there at the moment. Like you can get really deep in a rabbit hole and, and like I did with myself with that course I was doing, which was really anti-intervention. And um, there's just a lot of information out there that can freak you out. Um, and going back to also what I just said, sometimes it's better off that you speak to your connections and the people in your circle and your elderly family members. Like, they were all doing this way before us, you know, and there's some really golden nuggets. Like there's a lot of great advice that I got from my mum and my aunties and my godmothers and stuff like that. So I think my one piece of advice would be don't wig yourself out of the possibilities. Um, you know, there are a lot of positive birth stories out there that come with intervention and I think women put too much pressure on themselves we all want to do things naturally, as, as naturally as possible. Um, and yet it's, it's what we're born to do. This is what we're born to do. But that's why sometimes this assistance is necessary. It's there for a reason. Um, so, yeah, don't overread. Don't over-research. Don't Google anything. Like, <laughs> oh, my God, I was, like, on Google the rabbit hole way too much. And yeah. I think... It's the opposite of what you should be doing. Trust your yeah. instincts. Lean on your lady friends and your the women in your circle. Um, and, yeah, don't overthink it, I think. like mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, thank you. Incredible advice. Well, thank you so much, Kayla, for sharing your amazing story. And, yeah, and thanks for so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. And, yeah, I hope that... This has been a positive story for anyone struggling with any of these things. Um, I love your work. I love that you hold this space for women to share their stories. So thank you for having me. Oh, wow. I absolutely love being a podcast host. Listening to the different stories every single fortnight just brings me such joy. Women are so incredible. Absolutely loved hearing Kayla's story. Well done to you, Kayla. And Kayla is a social media strategist. Her business is called The Social Collective. I'll tag her details in her announcement post. I really hope this episode has helped you, served you, especially if you are looking down the barrel of an induction. Um, hearing these beautiful positive stories is just a breath of fresh air. So thank you so much, Kayla. I have to apologize for the sound, guys, on this episode. My microphone actually broke without me even knowing that it was broken. So I recorded the whole episode with my laptop picking up the sound. So terrible. And I am now speaking to you off new equipment. So it should be good for the next episode. Um, and I will see you guys next time on the show. The information and opinions presented in this podcast are for educational and entertainment purposes only. While I may discuss pregnancy, birth and postpartum topics, I am not a medical professional and the information provided should not be construed as medical advice. 
I strongly encourage my listeners to consult with their own healthcare provider before making any changes in your pregnancy and birth journey based on the information you hear on this podcast or elsewhere. Remember, the information provided in this podcast is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you have any health concerns or questions, please seek the guidance of a licensed medical professional. Thanks for listening. Remember, Mama, you're everything that your baby needs and you're doing an amazing job. Mm -hmm.